ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 25, quarter century episode. We did it. I can't believe we're there. We did it. It's oh, right. Only like 500 more episodes to go before we have 100 listeners. Yes. I know. I know. It's going to take us a while, but hey, we're, we're, we're getting there, man. We're digging. We're building the library. What's important is that we keep digging. Yes. Yes. Keep digging up the corpses. Oh. That's a preface for the Halloween episodes yes. we're going to be doing the rest well, of the Well, we got to talk about what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Oh, I can't wait for that. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is NerdPod Generations, episode 25. Uh, I am one of your lovely co-hosts, Steve Taylor, as always here with my other lovely co-host. Hello, friends and enemies. This is Alfred Jetson. What's well, up? Hi, buddy. How's it going, I'm so friend? This is, this is giving me the energy that I've been missing all day. Yeah. And I've been waiting for this. You've been in I'm that, so excited. You've been in that kind of hazy state. I've been in a really hazy state, and yeah. I wonder if it's because two nights ago, I double-dosed myself. Uh-oh. Because it was a long day, Uh-huh. and I was in happy land. Yeah, I bet you was. And it took a, it took a little bit, and I'm wondering if today I'm still kind of recovering. I mean, maybe, maybe. It maybe, could be it. Maybe. I don't know. I it have could no be idea. cold, too. I'm old. This is the thing, is that it just the cold snap just happened. Yeah. It was summer here last week, and now it's not. It's freezing, but it's, I like it. I'm digging it. I love this. I love this. This is my favorite time. This is my favorite kind of weather. Oh, yeah. It's like 50s to 70s. Yes. I am so happy. Yes. Um, we are, uh, what, what's the term? We're uh, we're lovers of the cougar weather. Is that what they call it? 50s and 70s. Oh, I No, see. I just made that up because, you know, uh, that's normal yeah, cougar age. 70s, so 50s yeah. and 70s. That's clever. We're the cougar spinster weather people. Yeah. Yay. Yay. I'm excited. Uh, so, folks, as always, NerdPod Generations, you can find us. If you're listening to us, you obviously found us on a podcast site. Uh, but tell your friends we're available. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much every podcast service you can find us on. Um, we do record every week. Uh, we are going to be doing a couple cool things. Uh, we always start with what are we watching, reading, playing. We're going to go on to What If Episode 8. 8. Which... I have an interesting thought on episode eight that I think you'll like, Al. And then uh, we are going to start our series that goes the next four weeks after this, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Where each each show, Al and I are going to pick a horror movie that we love. We're not going to tell each other until the show, and then we're going to give our own review of it leading up to Halloween. Yes. So that is our main goal. Yep. Um, hence the zombie reference I had earlier. Which yes, yes, We're very yes. excited about this. Okay, so uh, let's just jump into it. What have we been watching, playing, reading? I I shooting? got a I got a very funny, quick one for you. Because we've just been doing. I, we've watched a few fun things. I watched the rundown, which uh, oh, I love the rundown. It's so That's good, one of right? my favorite movies. It's so good. It's such a stupid, wonderful action movie. I'll be at work sometimes. I'll be like a little bit of thunder, yeah. a little bit of lightning, yeah. and no one else knows what the hell yeah. I'm talking about. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I love that it takes up this very specific corner of film history. Yes. Where he was credited as The Rock. The Rock. And and it has that famous scene in the beginning where Schwarzenegger walks by yeah. and says, good luck. Yeah. It's like, kind of the handoff. That was the handoff. That yeah. was the official handoff. Yeah. And he kind of so does a good. double take and looks back. Yeah. And I he's so good in that. So I watched that. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we watched The Iron Giant again. Awesome. Which I haven't seen in a long time. So that was excellent to go back to. Uh, and the funny one is, and I know this is a sensitive subject for you. So I want you... To just mentally prepare yourself. I was watching my favorite, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. I was watching him in uh, The Lookout. Okay. And the funniest thing happened 
Wouldn't you know it, it turns out the name of his character is Chris Pratt. No. Yes. And, and, they can't stop saying it. Every time someone walks into a room and he's there, they're like, oh, you're Chris Pratt. And they say the whole thing, you're Chris Pratt. Every time. Because he Weird. plays he plays a local high school hockey star who got in an accident, had brain trauma. Yeah. And so he's kind of convinced to join this con that's going on at the place that he what works at. What year was this movie? Uh, 2009. Oh, wow. Um, it's very good. It's very fun. It's, it's like this cast of everybody that I love. There's mm. Jeff Daniels. There's um, uh, Carla Guglino. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, I thought her name was Gina for a second. I was like, no, yeah. that's not right. Um, so she's in it. She's great. Eel Fisher's, she's in it. She's great. Uh, but every time anybody interacts with this guy, yeah, you're Chris Pratt. It's the funniest goddamn See, thing. See, now, if he was playing a Mario game in the movie, then he would be like, okay. Yeah. Why are you going to bring that up? You know, I had actually forgotten about that. I didn't bring up Mario. I brought up the name Chris Pratt. But now that automatically goes to Mario. Every time I hear that name, I think about Mario getting raped. That's the new... Hey, That's going to be the new South Park like they did with Indiana Jones. They're going to have Mario getting raped and it's going to be Chris Pratt doing it. Don't love the language, but I'll let you have it. (laughs) It's... I can't. What was the name of that episode? It's uh, a good reference, so I I got to remember leave it that in. episode, right? The, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The China the China problem. Yes. Was... Where where Butters and uh, Cartman take over PF Chang's because oh they god. think the Chinese are taking over. Oh my god! It's yes. South Park is just like I said this a few episodes ago. It's everything my parents warned me about. Oh yeah. It's everything parents thought The Simpsons was. Yeah. When they say, oh, you can't watch The Simpsons. It's too edgy. No, 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 no. No, 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 That's what South Park is. No, 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 no. (laughs) They don't have have Japanese people hunting dolphins. Yes. And racist caricature. And and whales. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a tangent. Anyway. So, yes, that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Last Yesterday, I just happened to flip on my Xbox and I went to the store. And what popped up, but that free guy <gasps> was available to, free guy. to download yeah. digitally. So I, thought, I watched Free Guy. I thought about buying it. I, I had it in my voodoo cart. I was like, maybe, maybe it's 20 bucks. Let me start with the one negative. Okay. No spoilers on this because I do want to see this It movie. is a rare time I can say I wasn't a big fan of Taika Waititi. And I think it was just the writing. Yeah. His character being the main bad guy, I just was not a fan. Like, I think if he wrote it himself for himself, it would have been better. Mm-hmm. But it was a overly cliched what you would think a video game creator would be like. Yeah. And I was not a fan of that. I loved everything else about the movie. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch it. It is a little more touching than I thought it would be. Okay. It's got some sweetness to it, touching. Ryan Reynolds, once again, is a national treasure. Nothing should ever happen to that man. If somebody ever hurt that man, I want to hurt them. It, he He's come quite a long way. He has come... I've always been a fan of his. Oh, he yeah. through some of the shit movies. But, like, you remember him in the era when he was doing Waiting and Van Wilder. Yes. And people were just like, oh, this guy. This guy but was see, I charm. loved him during those. Yeah. Like, if you remember, he had one of my favorite um, cameos in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Yes. Where he was the nurse. Yes. 
And that was amazing. I remember seeing that and laughing my ass off. And then also um, Ted. He plays um, Patrick Warburton's gay lover who beats him up originally, but then he ends up marrying him at the end. And they're, they're not marrying him, but they start dating. I totally, I have no memory of this. Oh my God. But I've also, Ted's another one of those things where I was just like, okay, all right. He, okay. Just, he doesn't even say anything. Yeah. But it's Patrick Warburton's walking by Mark Wahlberg sitting on a couch all depressed. And he walks by and Ryan Reynolds and him are holding hands. He goes, oh yeah, this is the guy that kicked my ass. I guess I'm gay now. Oh, let's go. And as they're walking away, Ryan Reynolds just stares at Mark Wahlberg with a little smile on his face. And it is absolutely hysterical. He says zero words. It's just his facial features. Absolutely hysterical. So I've always loved him. Even yeah. I even liked him in Blade Trinity, even though it was a shit movie. I was, thought he was enjoyable. In that, that, was, that was Deadpool Cold Run 1. Yes. And then Cold, Cold Run 2, I enjoyed until they sewed his mouth shut. Yeah. He was great in the beginning of that. I always found that one scene where he comes out and he's slicing through the bullets. I there was something about a the CGI in that movie. Is oh, terrible. that's horrible. Yeah, but like there was just something about it where I was just like, okay, I know Deadpool, and like this is all right. But once again, that gave us a great scene in Deadpool too, where he tries it and all the bullets hit him except for like two. Yes, <laughs> which is still yes, my favorite. That is, oh, it's so um, good. But it it, it does have. It has one surprise quick cameo that I knew about, which I won't tell you. Okay. And it had one that I didn't know about that was a slightly longer cameo that is amazing. Oh, I'm And excited. you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You kind of see it in the beginning, and there's a couple parts where it's peppered in, but then there's like a nice little chunk with this person. Awesome. Oh. Pure gold. That's going to be good. And then at the very end... Once again, this is not really saying anything spoilers. You totally know when Marvel took over that movie. <laughs> and it, it's you have no inkling of Marvel or Disney throughout yeah. that entire... Yeah, I'm not going to say movie. I'm, Marvel, I'm going to say Disney. Yeah. Throughout that entire movie towards the end, you're like, oh, they took it over and must have reached out. Here's okay. the Disney ending that yes. they tacked and it's, on. Yes, that's awesome. Like the, okay. It's not even a Disney ending. It's like a... Three minutes stip it, not even. Oh, okay. But it's absolutely awesome. And you're going to be like, oh, okay, that's... And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about yeah. without spoiling anything. Um, no, truly great movie. Yeah. And it's got... And the love story in it... You know, you've seen the trailer, right? Yeah. So the love story in it you think is mainly between him and the girl. But it's mainly between him and the... the Little Rel? Little Rel Howard or, or yeah. the, the doorman? Yes. That's awesome. Like, that's the true love story. And it's awesome. Oh, that's it's great. It's so good. It's got some of the best dialogue is when those two are together. Yeah. It's like the most heartfelt dialogue. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. But yeah. no, I was, I knew it was going to be great just from hearing the reviews and seeing the trailers, but it totally lived up to everything. Yeah. Like, I truly loved it. Cannot wait for you to watch it so we can go a little more in depth. Like, we'll do a spoiler yeah. kind of background review of it yeah um hey disney if you want to pay me a little cashola or just give it to me i'll talk about it for i'll be nice about it i'll yeah. be excited about it i'm just saying yeah we my, only have two dollars and 35 cents in our anchor account right now my so joy can more. be bought don't don't get it twisted um but part yes. of his joy is twisting it when he buys it so um 
Don't shake your every head at time. me. You know. Every time. You know. That's where all my mind goes to. Every you time. Know that's where it's going to go to. Um, I also kind of fell down a little YouTube rabbit hole, which I have fallen down many times, of where I watch old Siskel and Ebert reviews. Oh, fun. And I watched Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And it, they both loved it. And they were like, this is the greatest. And the reason I watched it is there's a great – I wish I could remember his name. It's Chris – Something I know he's he does movie with he used to do with MTV. Um, he has a couple YouTube clips where he's being interviewed on what um, why movies nowadays are mostly shit, like ninety eight percent of them are shit, uh-huh. and what makes a bad sequel, what makes a good sequel, what makes um, like a good death, like killing off a main character, and what's a bad one, and he had the best. Examples for that. He said the best one is Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. When Spock dies, he's there with his best friend. He he died saving everybody. Uh-huh. It was incredibly emotional. And it had a, a great funeral send-off. Not knowing until after the... Or right before the credits start, would say is Spock will return. Or whatever yeah. it says. Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Like he said, it was that's how you send off a character. Like It was emotional. It was great. And they said the worst one is Han Solo in episode seven. He goes, because he died for no reason. He fell down a bottomless pit, which a bottomless pit is pretty much a, like, bad guys fall down bottomless pits. He goes, the emperor fell down a bottomless pit. He didn't get a chance to say anything to Chewbacca. Chewbacca just screamed. And then when they get out of the Millennium Falcon, Ray goes to, or, um... Princess Leia goes to Rey instead of Chewbacca. I can say, because I disagree with that. I think that there that was the entire point of it, was that it was the fall of Kylo Ren. It was supposed to be Kylo choosing the dark side. And so he robs us of all those moments by choosing evil and killing but, his father at a time when he should not have died. The 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 Chewbacca thing, I also agree with you. It's yeah. stupid. That is stupid, and I but 100% they said what he, but they said it's like when I say he died for nothing, it's mm-hmm. like he tried to he was going to speak to his son to try to save him, but it wasn't it wasn't the grandiose like he just if you if you were watching it on the timeline, he said if you just finished episode six, he just saved the universe, mm-hmm. and now he's just gonna get stabbed and fall down a pit. It's like, for a character like him, and a character's like that, you need to have something a little more... Like, even if, like, Luke was there, or if they, like, showed Luke and he felt the disturbance in the Force. Like, A, to rob fans of never seeing Luke, Leia, and Han standing together in one... He said that alone is... And I agree with that. Like, that... I agree with that. But then to have it... I mean, it was like a non... Like, after it happened, it really didn't resonate. You know what I mean? Someone right into the lightsaber battle outside, which showed that Rey was a Jedi. And it's like all this other stuff happened, and it kind of became a afterthought. Well, it raised Rey's emotions to the point where it would mm. help her break through and, and use the Force. I just hate Star Wars. I know. But <laughs> here I am. I got to defend it because I like this movie. So I'm just going to sit here and defend it. Is I don't dislike that movie. Yeah. I like episode seven. Well, I I also want to say this. In fairness, and this goes to both sides, Uh they knew they were only going to have Harrison Ford for one shot. He was not going to come back for doubles of these, let alone triples. He was not going to do it. They were going to get one go of it. So 
They wanted to do that. They should have done it. They got him to come back as a bullshit force ghost, whatever the fuck he was. In that they got a one. line. They got maybe a word. I think he I think said a word. word out of an entire line. I just was wondering why his force ghost aged so much. It's like, do you see his force ghost? Yeah, when he talks to Kylo in the final episode. Remember? No. He, you I don't remember, remember Harrison I have no Ford of showing up as a force ghost? I blocked this out of my like, mind. It was like a memory or whatever, but he. Like, he comes and talks to Kylo Ren, and that's pretty much what gets him to go help Ray. Oh, that, yeah. I'm... It's like a... It, I say Force Ghost because it's in the vein of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he's... Yeah. Han wasn't really a spiritual person, so the idea that he would have a spiritual... No, pick. but they made it into... Yeah. That's the, that was another problem I had with it. It's like, why is he a fucking Force Ghost? Because yeah, it's yeah. pretty much what he was. I thought you meant like a literal Force no, Ghost. No, no, he wasn't a Force Ghost. I was like, he never showed yeah. up. Like, Hayden Christensen showed up as oh, a Force Ghost. Don't ever say that bullshit. That made no sense. Because it should be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Yoda. And... No, but when I say Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you're going to put Hayden Christensen there, uh-huh. then it needs to be Ewan McGregor. It would need McGregor. to be Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I know you can't put no him there. Sense. You don't put him there in the first place, and you just keep the guy that was there yeah. originally, so you don't open up that Pandora's box of stupidity. Yeah. You also establish that the Force Ghost takes on the form of the the person in their last moments, which he was back to Anakin Skywalker in his last moment. Okay, we're getting off a tangent. Uh, no Star Wars tangents. That was the end of our Star Wars tangent. See free guy. See, fuck Chris Pratt. That's pretty much what we went on. There's this. a movie called Fuck Chris Pratt. Yes, we're gonna make it. Um, it's it's gonna Jesus is gonna fuck him. Um, I right. do like Chris Pratt. I I we trash on him, but I like Chris Pratt. I can't help it. He's charming. He's Chris a charming Pratt's guy. A, Chris Pratt is my Forrest Gump. Yeah. At first, I loved it, and now I'm like, I'm sick of it. I'm done of it. It's I'm done. So sick. Of it's it. stale. Same with Chris Pratt. Yeah, I can I'm see good. that. I've had enough of him. Um, yeah. All right. Moving on. To, okay, here's my theory. We're going on to What If Episode 8. Oh, good, because this might be the thing that I talk about at okay. nauseum. I believe Marvel Studios has the Infinity Stones because they use the Time Stone to go back in time to listen to our episode, this last one, where you were so bummed that they weren't going to do anything with this Ultron, created the episode... So we could see it, and you could have a full-on orgasm all over the. Not TV. only that, they went back to two weeks ago, and they said, "Oh, he's angry about Hawkeye. Let's fix that too." Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that this was is, amazing. This is what I've been waiting for for so long. Yes, like for ten years in Azkaban prison, I've had to deal with this garbage and this bullshit. Hawkeye's useless. Hawkeye's such a dumb character. Oh, what's the point of Hawkeye? Oh, yeah. he's gonna use the bow. Oh, better joke about how he has a bow. Oh, who's joking fucking now? That moment. Where... Oh my god. That was what I've been waiting for his death for scene so long. Was so badass. Oh, and then he has the cloak, and it's oh my god, yeah. it's so good. Yes. And it's everything that I've been waiting for. for Ten fucking years. Yes, and I love how not only him, but what are the two biggest jokes? You have two people on the team with less superpowers. Yeah, they're the two who are alive at the end, pretty much. Yeah, they're and the last ones. They're the last ones because all the other superheroes are dead. Yeah. It's like they're the ones smart enough to know how to avoid Ultron and survive. Yeah, and that I absolutely loved. 
It was so good. It was so I, good. Literally, I was going through and I was like, I so I have usually watched these and then just kind of contemplated them. Yes. I don't really return to them beyond just thinking about them. This is the first time that I've watched one and then the next day watched it again. Yeah. Because it was so fucking was good. So good. And every part of it, like I'm trying to think like, oh, is there an element of this that doesn't work? Uh, the one note, I don't know that the Infinity Stones would work once he leaves his universe. Other than Going that... Going off of the TDA. Or well, just TDA. general... Yeah. Generally, Infinity Stones only work within their yes. realm. They don't work outside of their universe, which is why you typically wouldn't have this situation where someone uses the Infinity Stones to destroy the multiverse. It can't happen because the Infinity Stones can't exist outside. Well, and that's the best part because the Watcher kind of says that. He goes, yeah, this, this shouldn't happen. happen. Yeah. Which is this fucking is, awesome. This can't happen. This yeah. isn't a thing. But I... And they fixed Ultron. And they fixed Ultron. We finally got to see Ultron. We got to see the age of Ultron that Marvel tacitly promised us, promised us when they called the movie Age of Ultron. Yeah. They said, oh, we're doing Age of Ultron. We were like, great. And then they came out with this. No, this is Age of Ultron. Oh, so good. Just desperate. Everything's terrible. Yes. There's no stopping it. It is just this endless march to death. Yes. And it's... Oh, it's so fucking good. You fixed Hawkeye, and you fixed Ultron, and you made me a very happy person. And I loved Black Widow's little quip, I've seen enough Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need another one. I was like, oh my god! Well, that was what was so funny, is that is uh, Marvel, she's punching him into the core. Yes. And she's like, you know, we've already seen, Marvel, this yeah. movie doesn't need a sequel. And I was like, I mean, if anything, T2 is actually a pretty good sequel, and... From your point of view, I don't know if T2... Had T2 come out? I guess she's at 1990... It's got to be like two or three. I don't know. So maybe... you got to think in her vast knowledge and whatnot, she must know that. Maybe. Maybe. But I'm just saying. Dude, um, that was... That was excellent. That was amazing. That was so good. And I love how for the first time they're turning it into... It's it's technically a three-parter. Well, it's going to continue. I think that this is going to be the last two episodes. Oh yeah, no, they definitely set it up for that. Yeah, like it, it's a, it's to be continued. Yeah, when they when they were kind of like, oh, it's the halfway point with with Killmonger, I was like, oh cool. And then they did Thor, and I was like, oh cool, we're just gonna keep going like we've been going. Apparently, no. Yeah. Apparently, I I was. <laughs> I'm so glad that they returned to that Doctor Strange because I was so yes! curious where that was because that was so another excited. one of those where like they dropped it and you're just like. You're not going to leave that. Well, see, there, that's right? why they have to. This has to be a continuation because the Watcher can't just go to another multiverse and watch a different. No, this is this is it. He's in it now. He has. Yeah. To, they have to finish. He's this. been pulled into it. Oh, God, it oh so it's good. so good. Which I only hope this brings back the rebirth of Ultron into the MCU please, properly. Please do Ultron. Especially right. if they're doing it cosmic now. Yeah. Like if they're saying everything's going to really Ultron lean is on magic such, and cosmic. Ultron is such a good villain yeah. in the cosmic realm. He's so good. And and like especially when you get into Ultron and the Phalanx and yeah. Ultron and like all these other like oh my well, god. Well just seeing that that scene I love so much when Thanos walks out and he just cuts him in half yeah. real quick. It's like That's the That's, it. that's it Ultron. Like, yeah. That's Ultron in yeah. a nutshell. Is he's just like, I don't want to fucking deal with you. Yeah. You have something I want. I'm gonna take he it. He does it so fast there's nothing. There's nothing do. you can do. Yep. And uh oh it's just so It was 
good. It was so enjoyable. It really was. Oh, man. It made me so happy. You know, in this series, you know, they've had its ups and downs, but, man, they are on a high right now. They are on a real high right now. With the Killmonger one, then the going into Thor, and then this, and then knowing it's going to branch off. Yeah. Yeah. The Thor one was like, oh, we're just going to have fun. Okay. Apparently, no. Apparently, fun is is the beginning. Well, that's probably why they did a fun episode, because they were like, this shit's going to get heavy. Well, like, he comes in, and he's like, this one breaks my heart. And I'm like, oh, I bet it does. Yeah. Oh, I bet it does. So freaking good. Oh, my God. I I fucking loved it. They did a nice pseudo James Spader. Yeah. So it wasn't like a complete mock up, but it was enough sounding like him that I think noobs that are like really torn up because he's not Ultron. It sounds enough like him. Well, maybe this will win them back. It's the same guy that did the Red Skull in Infinity War. Oh, that's right. And Endgame. That's right. So it is. like kudos, dude. You got you got two Man, of he's them. He's good at doing the voices. Yeah. I mean, luckily the Red Skull one with the accent, he probably was a little easier, but I mean, he pulled a decent speed. He did a really good Much Hugo Weaver. guy did fucking Robert Downey Jr. I oh my god. Talk about that. But like the um I was glad that they toned down the kind of sarcastic nature. There were a few moments, like when he calls the Watcher a creeper. Yes. I was like, eh. Ultron's not one for banter. Um, but overall, again, we're just yeah. talking about petty little tic-tac little like... And the only reason I think they did that is since they got away from how he was originally created and how in Age of Ultron, Banner said... Oh no, no, in um Infinity Endgame. War. Oh yeah, Infinity War, right. Yeah. When they're trying to take it out, he goes, There's a little bit of Tony in you, a little bit of me. That I think is the little bit of Tony with the little wise yeah. ass remark. So I give that a pass because cause at first I agreed with you. I was like, would he really joke? And then I was like, wait a second, this is a different origin. He's got Tony Stark in him, in his memory banks and whatnot. I could kind of see him maybe breaking out a quip every now and then. I, I suppose. I get that within the canon of the original. Yes. Uh, the 2015. I don't want to say the original Age of Ultron because it's not, but, you know. Yes. Um, But I I was glad that it wasn't present here so much. Yes. Um, Because I, I think it's distracting. And uh, while it might be canonically explainable, it's still distracting. And yeah. not one of the things that saves this Ultron for me. You know what does is the fact that we got rid of the stupid Ultron face that they came out with. Yeah. So you have the Vision as Ultron. Yes. And then you have the Ultron sentries who look like Ultron. Yeah. And how they did his mask where you could still see Vision's mouth. So you could yeah. still see the Vision underneath there. And they, they had that cosmic look. Yeah. That Ultron has where he has the four eyes and like, oh, so, so fucking oh my God, it was good. So good. It was so good. It, it was so it, good. Oh, I thought for a moment they were going to bring in the Nova Corps and I got really excited. Yeah, until they wiped I, them the fuck out. I was like, <laughs> well, like, because I've, I've been waiting for them to do Nova Nova, like oh my God. Richard Ryder Nova. I'm going to have our orgasm when they do this that. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, when Captain Marvel showed up, I was like, oh, it's him. No, it wasn't him. But I, when they get there, Dude. if they get there, they might never get Dude. there. We're going to find out that, um, what's his, Dr. Stephen Brule over here, uh, John C. Riley, yeah. is is actually Richard Ryder. Well, see, why I think they'll never bring it out is they they said in Infinity War that Ultron, or that um, Thanos wiped out. wiped out. Yeah, yeah wiped them Well, this out. is what makes me hopeful, is that I read this 
awesome run of Nova, which picks up after that happens. He's the last Nova. And so, like the Green Lantern Corps, he's just the vessel for all of the Nova energy that would usually be dispersed across this entire force. So he's just this super weapon. And he goes up against Ultron, who has merged with the Phalanx and infected the entire galaxy. And by galaxy, I mean, like, everywhere. Yeah. And uh, it's That's really good. Though. It's That's really good. Because I would love to see Nova. This is what I'm saying, oh, man. Okay. Don't do the young Nova. I don't want the young Nova. They're going to be tempted to do the young Nova. No, 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 no. Give me my Richard Rider. Yeah. I, I won't make my usual jokes about Richard Rider's name vis-a-vis. And you know a good movie to introduce a character like him would be the Marvels. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Because you're dealing with that type of energy, that type of Well, especially, cosmic... like, they're going to have to deal with the fallout of now, if Captain Marvel talks about not having any help out there, yeah, the Novas were the help. Were the help. And so... It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm very excited to see. Yeah. Because that would be a good way to introduce him. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to get myself all worked up. All right. So, we loved What If. It was a great it was episode. So Ultron good. is the shit. I'm we so love we happy love with every part of it. Every Like, every part of it. Yeah. It's unreal. The Zola... I want to do the Zola thing. Before we move on, we got to talk about Zola. Oh, Zola. Yeah. Because we... Oh, another thing that we didn't need, but we got, was a return of Zola and the return of hope that somewhere in the MCU, there is a Zola bot yeah. somewhere. And he could still maybe come back, yeah. possibly on a hard drive somewhere. Maybe he's on a hard drive somewhere. But because um, uh, they, because she said all the Zola computers had been destroyed, but you're taking Black Widow's word for that. Well, not only that, that was that universe. Yeah, that's true. The core MCU, the the theoretical core MCU, um, is theoretically someone could have gone to that Hydra base, that's downloaded true. Z- uh, Zola onto. A flash drive. Yeah. Walked out. That's, That's it. Oh, oh, get him I'm back. Excited. Bring him back. That's great. Bring him back. I I am so happy with every part of it. The, every the all the moments. Oh, the shot of Hawkeye when he's finally like, I'm done fighting. And oh he yeah. Goes in his death. And, and it's just him and all these Ultrons. I was like, that and is the, the slow motion. It's the most Hawkeye thing ever, man. Yeah. I hope you get resurrected because Hawkeyes get resurrected a lot, man. So, like, maybe? <laughs> Not And gonna I happen. love the emotion where when they were looking for the Zolophile and she was trying to, like, be a little bit lighter, he's like, don't. Don't. Because he was, like, literally re- suicidal. Yeah. Because his family was gone. He was done. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. This man is like, uh, I don't want anything else. And uh, he's got no arm. He has a robot arm. Oh, my God. It's so good. I love it. Oh, it made me so happy. It's funny, though. Him missing the arm kind of reminded me of Green Arrow. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because Green Arrow in the comics and in, well, famously in um, uh, The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. He's, he has, he's missing yeah. his arm. Yeah, he yeah. helps Batman, too. Um, so I just, I don't know. I thought that was interesting seeing that. It's like, yeah. And I think it's the same arm with the left arm. I think it's the, it's the right arm. arm. Hawkeye lost the his right arm. Because right. he doesn't have the same one as the Winter Soldier. That's true. Yeah. All right. So we love that episode. It was so good. <laughs> All right. So stupidly good. Now I'm very excited. So yes. now is our Halloween extravaganza that starts this week, goes on for many more weeks to come. Uh, Al and I have both chosen movies. He chose two because he's an overachiever. Yes. I chose one that I have seen multiple times and i am going to start 
Because I right cannot ahead. wait for this one. You make it happen, okay. Captain. There was a film made in 1987 by a director who would become infamous for making some of the worst superhero movies ever made, Joel Schumacher. He made a vampire movie called The Lost Boys. Yes, he did. Which is not only one of the best vampire movies ever made, but it is one of the best horror movies ever made and a very 80s movie. Now, for those of you who have not seen it, Stars Jason Patrick as Michael. Um, it has the two Corys, Corey Ham, Corey Feldman, one of their like deep into the Corey phase. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Alex Winter, which just still blows my mind every time I watch it and I see Alex Winter. I'm like, Bill, Bill S. Preston Esquire is a vampire. Um, Diane Weiss and Edward Herman play uh, subsequent characters. It is. I haven't watched it in a long time, I'll be honest. It's been a few years because I have seen it so many times that it has been a few years. In rewatching it, I once again fell in love with the humor. It is very well-placed, funny humor. And the violence is intense violence. Like, it's some serious vampire shit, and I love every freaking minute of it. Um, The music's great. The tone of the film is great. Like, it is, it truly is the quintessential 80s. Like, if I didn't know any better, I would think John Hughes made this movie. By the characters, the storylines, um, the awkward teen issues with Corey Haim when he first gets, they move to Santa Clara. It, okay, here's the basis of the story. Diane Weist is a single mother. Her husband just left her. She has to move in with her father who lives in Santa Clara, California, which is known as the vampire capital of the world. Um, and Jason Patrick and Corey Hammer are two sons. Jason Patrick's like the older brother. He's like, I, I don't know, I would say he'd be like a senior in high school or whatnot. Corey Hammer would be like ninth grade or whatnot. Yeah. Corey Hammer is like a very 80s kid where dresses in eye-melting clothing. And it's watching him trying to get along in this much different environment where he goes to the comic book shop and the Frog Brothers, which is Corey Feldman. And uh, the other guy is Jameson Newlander, which I have not seen in anything else. I know he reprised the role, I think, in The Lost Boys 3 or whatnot. Jeez. They redid the Frog Brothers and he was in it again. Yeah, don't watch any of the sequels. They're horrendous and awful and bad and stupid. Um but they, you know, dealing with the teenage angst and then the frog blowers, like, there's vampires everywhere. And I was like, I don't know. And then you come to find out that their mother is working for pretty much Dracula, the head vampire. And Kiefer Sutherland and a bunch of, like, the cool kids are all vampires that are his coven, pretty much. And just the whole the way they set everything up, the music, like I said, is freaking phenomenal. The fight scenes in it. The back and forth between brothers, because at one point, Michael gets, he drinks David's blood, and he starts to become a vampire, and Corey Haim, his brother, Sam, is like freaking out about it, and of course, they got a big dog that saves the day in a couple spots, and it has that great scene where Corey Haim is in the bathtub, and his brother is starting to change, and he goes up to attack him, and pretty much kill him, Mm -hmm. and the dog bites him and saves him. And it's like that whole scene, the tension and everything in that scene, because you know, you see him fighting it, but then he hears his brother singing, 
and you see that he get his eyes turn. I believe they turn yellow for the first time, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, he's a fucking animal right now. He's gonna go, yeah, tear him apart. And the dog saves him. And it's like that whole scene again. I'm seeing it a million times. I'm watching it like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? <laughs> I know what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen? <laughs> and it was like, it, it's just, it's amazing to see a a movie like this being made by the guy that made Batman and Robin. Yeah. And had bat nipples. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's 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 such a great, perfect '80s horror movie from start to finish. That I I could not think honestly of all the horror movies I love, and I love so many, and this isn't even my favorite horror movie, but this is one that I I could not get out of my head. Yeah, absolutely could not get out of my head. I'm not gonna lie to you, I haven't seen it. <laughs> You've never seen I've Lost never Boys. seen Lost Boys. Oh I've never my seen Lost god. Boys. Uh, I know that there's saxophone solos in it. Oh, the I, saxophone solo by a guy that's a, he's like a full bodybuilder. It looks yeah. like, um, do you remember the, the band Danzig? I've heard of them. Okay. They were a heavy metal band and the lead singer, Glenn Danzig was kind of like this big muscular guy. And I remember when I saw it, he reminded me of, cause yeah, it's, it's, it's like, he's playing this like cheesy eighties music and then he's playing the saxophone. He's all ripped and oiled up. Yeah. And he's wearing like skin tight pants and shit. But now I I, I wish you would have seen this movie. This is <laughs> so. This is like the pinnacle of I'll 80s I'll watch horror. it. I'll watch it in addition to whatever horror movie I bring in, and we can have a, a debrief next week. Oh, you got to. Yeah. Because you're gonna watch it. and You're gonna be like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like Kiefer Sutherland is as cool a human being in this movie. Kiefer Sutherland. I can't get a read on him as a person. I really like him. But at the same time, I've heard really bad things about yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just a hothead who's gotten into fights. But I yeah. haven't heard anything like he's an asshole. I heard it's it's yeah. kind of like the Russell Crowe thing. Yeah. Or the Sean Penn thing. You know, yeah. when they're younger, they get drunk, and they want to fucking punch people. Yeah. Um, But he's great in it. Uh, Like I said, Alex Winter, freaking Bill S. Preston, plays one. That. And he doesn't – I think he says one word in the movie. Yeah. Because is this pre-Bill and Ted? I think – if it's not pre, it's like right around the same. It's time. right. It's got to be around the same time. Yeah. I'm gonna look up Alex Winter real quick. I feel like Bill and Ted is eighty nine, um, eighty nine or ninety one. I can't remember which. I'll let you know in two but seconds. But it's eighty nine. So it was two years before Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. So he hadn't had that that breakout role yet. This yeah. is like his first. But I can't. I cannot press to you enough. How great. Like, truly great this movie is. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's got insane violence. It, the soundtrack is fantastic. Like, the soundtrack alone yeah. is absolutely fantastic. Well, it's talked about in that same vein as, like you were saying, like your your Karate Kids, your Footloose, your... Yes. And then you add in all the John Hughes movies. Yes. Uh, that teenage angst. You have the bully that won't go away. And it turns out the bully's a monster. Yes. Um... And it has, it has, and I'm not even lying about this, and you'll see, one of the greatest final lines of any movie. Yeah. The final line spoken in this movie and the reaction it gets, unbelievable. Okay. I, I can't even stress to you how great it is. I will definitely check it I, out. You have to check this. Out of all the movies that I have pressed you to watch. Yes. And for those of you who, have, who are listening, please watch this movie. You have to watch this movie, especially for vampire movies. You know, they began a bad rap over the years with all the Twilight crap. And even Dracula Unbound was, eh, yeah. you know. 
haven't really been good vampire movies in a long time. This, uh, like Thirty Days of Night, days was of a night. great vampire. movie. I couldn't movie. remember whether it was Forty Days um, of Night. Daybreak, or not. I liked. I want to call it a great vampire it was, movie. It was more interesting than anything else. Yes, exactly. Um, but this movie is like because, yeah. like I said, you know, Thirty Days of Night is great, but it's got a very dark tone. Like, there's nothing happy in that movie. Yeah. Not a single thing is happy in that movie. I think I know what I'm gonna do now for next week. What's that? Well, I can't tell you both okay. of them. Um, and Blade was a great vampire movie, but you could also look at that as like a it's superhero movie. It's like a comic movie. book movie. It, yeah, it's, comic it's, movie. It's a vampire movie, but it doesn't follow the usual vampire yeah. tropes. It kind of like pays homage to the vampire tropes mm-hmm. more than like doing the whole... It doesn't hold your hand and do like, here's Dracula, and here's all this stuff around Dracula, yeah. and also vampires, and also blood, and a, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And this has a preparation montage. Like every good 80s... Like we talked, we talked before about the Monster Squad. Yeah, that preparation montage is amazing. Like getting all the supplies good, together, getting all the supplies together, setting everything up. Yeah, that has one of these montages. It's just so good. But it is one of my. I always go back and forth on this, of what my favorite Corey movie is, mm-hmm. the two Corys. Because I love License to Drive. Have you ever seen that? Oh, phenomenal movie. And then a very underrated one is Dream a Little Dream. See, I've stayed away from Corey Haim entirely. I've never seen a Corey Haim movie. And then I, the only Feldman I've seen is Goonies and that era when he's a kid. Okay. Before he got. Well, it yeah, his their movies ended with Dream a Little Dream. That mm-hmm. was the last movie they made that I was like, that's a great movie. Prior to that, they had a lot of. Like, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman made a lot of good movies. I mean, Corey Feldman, we talked about... Uh, did we talk about Friday the 13th, where he was... Was it, like, part four, I think it was? He played a character in it that was, like, kind of a psychotic little kid that actually killed Jason. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which was really kind of cool. And then, of course, Goonies. Yeah. I mean, Goonies won it. Um, but the the two Corys, they... Licensed to Drive was an awesome 80s comedy with a very young Heather Graham as the love interest. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Awesome movie. Um, and same with Dream Little Dream, like I said. But I think this might be the topper. And when you see it, you're going to be like, okay, I can kind of see the chemistry between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, they were best friends growing up, and you can kind of see it. Like, they really, they play off each other well. And yeah. just the, the pretty much the whole cast, though. Were, like, Diane Weiss, who's a serious actress, to be in, like, a kind of a yeah. cheesy, campy, campy horror, horror movie. movie. Yeah. Pulls it off. What you, what'd you do so with your summer vacation? Was, yeah, yeah made, exactly. Made $300,000. Yeah. Probably more. Making an awesome horror movie in yeah. California. Yeah. So, All right. So that was my movie. Week one, The Lost Boys. It has nothing to do with Peter Pan. you got to watch it. It is absolutely incredible. Yes. Now I'm very excited. And now this is going to be the rare thing. Or not the rare thing. This is going to be the polar opposite where I pretty much guarantee I saw what you're going to say. Yeah. Even though I have no idea what you're going to say. I finally... Went out and went out. I went out into the the realm of HBO Max, and I said, HBO Max, Showtime bring me, dark. bring me a horror thing that's popular and whatnot. And so I watched The Conjuring and The Conjuring Two. Uh, Interesting. Yes, because I I hadn't seen them, and it's one of those things that everybody saw. You know, it's like oh, the Conjuring movies and the Conjuring universe and all this other stuff. And so it was it was really interesting. Yeah. I, first thing I gotta say, and I don't mean this as a detriment, 
didn't find it scary. Yeah, no, jump scares don't do it for me anymore. It, not scary. No. Not scary. Um, it's very atmospheric. Yes. And I think that that's probably what the other films in the series lacked, is that they just relied on scares, and mm. that doesn't really work long term. That's a, that's a short term. I think that's scare. why I succeeded. A lot of people who don't watch horror movies, the atmosphere and the jump scares yeah. is enough to scare the shit out of like a normal yeah. person that doesn't watch horror movies. But it was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just like, it was so interesting to see the way that they set everything up. Mm. So it's like, I'm sure people know what it is, but the basic plot, you have uh, these two characters, the Warrens, who are... Based on a true story. Based on a true story. All of these are based on a true story, mm-hmm. as I say. Uh, you have their supposed demonologists, mm-hmm. which is like exorcists who don't work for the church. Yes. And uh, they get into... She, she's psychic. She's right? psychic. Yeah, she has, she's psychic. She's a medium of some kind, and he's like... He's he's that character where they don't they go all in, but to say that he's a priest that didn't finish yeah. and left like he, that's essentially who these characters are, and it it was just really interesting. They the first one did um, it was it's interesting because it, it seems to take from a lot of tropes that I'm familiar with in reference. So what I mean is I watched haunting. At Hill House on Netflix, right, and that's and Bly Manor, and these are these are two shows that basically take a bunch of horror movie tropes from these specific genres of like the haunted house mm-hmm. or the the possessed child or whatever, and they combine them into this story that's based around an already existing property, basically. Yes. So I'm familiar with elements of these, even though I haven't seen you know like the original Haunting of hill manor mm. whatever i haven't seen the original amityville horror i know them i know mm. of them and um this was just interesting to see how they built the universe around that because it, it wasn't bad i can see that the structure works i think that they just needed better filmmakers to make the movies yeah like this the, the guy that makes it is it Wan? james wan james wan is getting like everyone's saying he's like the great horror movie director and all this yeah. and i'm like eh. Is he? He's good. He, I really because that was the same with you with the Conjuring one and two. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I liked it. It's, good. it's not. They're good movies. Yeah, they're spooky. They're never scary. No, I would never call them scary because you can't scare the Ocean Master. No, <laughs> I will say, he, Patrick Wilson, I think, is an untapped reservoir. Oh, I love him. He's so fucking good in he both is movies. Really good. He brings it in both movies in a way where, like, again, it was either this. Or watch the Insidious movies. And I was like, I'll do this because I really don't care about modern stuff. The Insidious are like... They're the exact same. They're the exact same except they're more... Okay, the Insidious movies are a little more like it. Okay. To where there's there's a entity. There's an actual monster. There's like a monster, yeah. Okay. Kind of like, uh, what's the what's the other one Patrick Wilson did? Um, I'm going to look it up. You keep talking. I'm but yeah, it was, it was a... He was excellent in it. And Vera Farmiga was also excellent in it. These were two characters that had to pull off this real earnestness and while being extremely calm. Um, and I thought that both of them did an excellent job of just like, you really feel for these characters and they really bring you in, in a, 
on a subject that I was very lukewarm about in terms of being interested in it. Uh-huh. I was like, no, I actually really care about these characters and what's going on with them and how they're handling situations. There's something really empathetic about both of them, both in terms of how they approach other people, but also in terms of how the audience relates to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they're these, these crusaders that are just on the front lines and part of their job is just sorting through the fact that no one believes what they're on a crusade for. <laughs> so they just have to put up with that and keep going. I will say that was one element that I really, really liked about both movies is that the moment there's any doubt cast upon whatever's happening. So a little kid sees a thing happen. A little kid gets their leg pulled out from under them while they're sleeping at night or what have you. Mm-hmm. Or they see something in the corner fly around. And they go to the parents and they're like, oh, something's happening. And like you always have that like, Oh, something's happening. Oh, yeah, right. And it takes 20 minutes for the parents to believe them. Not here. <laughs> Pretty much immediately, they go to a person, they're like, something's happening. And the parents are like, oh, really? And then a giant dresser will fly across yeah. the room. And it's like, oh, yeah, something's happening. It's kind this of like the happening. first poltergeist. I, this is on my list. Yeah. Oh, you've never seen first poltergeist? I've never seen the first oh poltergeist. My God! It was, it was on my short list of movies to watch. I don't know who week. I'm doing this podcast with anymore. Hey man, it's a lot of culture. It's a lot of culture to catch up on. You got a lot. I got to bring you over my whole horror movie binder and just say you need to watch every one of these. I my horror movies is one of the gaps in my film knowledge. It's a deep and penetrating gap because most of my film knowledge comes from my family, and my family does not do horror 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 movies. movies. (laughs) Let alone, I can't even imagine watching The Exorcist with my parents. Yeah, I I can't even fathom that as an idea. You you don't think they would enjoy watching a young girl jam a crucifix in her pussy? I mean, you don't think she would want to do that? You know, you don't think they would like that? My my religious parents who are like fundamentalists—they're not fundamentalists, but they they have a deep and abiding love for God. Might not be huge fans on that one. That's such a great movie, too. Yeah. No, but it was Insidious we were thinking about. The one I got confused with is Sinister. Sinister. That's another one That's, that has, like, that the a... the Ethan Hawke one? Um, I believe... Yes, Ethan Hawke and um, Fred Thompson. Yeah, that okay. one is similar where it has, like, a creature... It has a thing wandering yeah, like around. like an entity walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, but... I, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Hey, he really, to me, he carried those movies. He really does. Because I like the woman that plays his wife, Vera... Vera Farmiga. Farmiga. But, I don't know, she wore on me a little bit. She is very, I don't want to say earnest. She's good, but part of her character is that she's a medium. Yeah. So there's always kind of this distance where she's kind of looking at things that aren't we can't see. Yes. Let me put it that way. She sees things or feels things that we aren't aware of. Yeah. And so part of her performance is kind of this distance and this this gap between us and her which is good but again when you have that as a character trait it makes it hard to connect to the character so it's it's both a compliment to the acting but also you're kind of like well but i also had a hard time getting a read on her although they do a better part in the second one i will say what was interesting is that the first one there's no character development for any of the characters there's the two warrens and the family of seven and I don't know that any of those characters are deeply developed as much as we're kind of just given a glimpse into their world yes. as things happen. You know, there's the first one is all about 
can the wife medium continue to do this because she saw something and it scared her so bad that they wanted to quit but she wouldn't let them and then the second one is a flip of that it's that what she saw was her husband's death and now she wants to quit and he's like no we got to keep going yeah. whatever but like there wasn't a deep amount of character development with either character no. and the family was the same way like you kind of get these ideas of the characters but there's we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about what ron livingston is doing we know he's a trucker we know money's tight mm -hmm. we know the same things that we know about any character in any movie they have a job and money is tight and uh, they just moved into this new house, and mm -hmm. oh, hell. Shit starts happening. Yeah. See, what I'm wondering is, to me, it seemed like the first movie, because I know all of these are low budget. They make oh, yeah. so much money. Yeah. But they only cost like $5 million, $4 million or something They like cost that. nothing to make. And I'm wondering if that first one, they're just like, you know, at that point, he had done Saw and Insidious. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, Insidious came out right before The Conjuring did. So I'm wondering if they were like, you know, this guy's directed a couple movies. You know, Saw was popular. Um, Insidious was popular. You know, this might just be another one-off. Because at that point, those two were just mainly one-offs with him. Like, yeah. And so I'm wondering if they're like, yeah, it's just going to be a one-off. And so they didn't put a lot into character development or whatnot. They're like, just get a horror movie out there for $4 million. But then it was such a success. They're like, all right, we need to flush these fuckers out a little Well, bit. and then they like, they... <laughs> If that was the case, I don't know, but that sounds like a studio head to me. That sounds like is, a studio head. Is I don't really care until it makes me money, and now, now we got to get the we got to turn the nozzle all the way up, and we got to do development on every little thing that we see in the movie. Yeah. Every little detail. We got to have an entire movie about this monster, and we got to have an entire movie about this monster, and we got to have an entire second movie about this monster, and a third movie about that same monster. Yeah. Because we can, because they are, they they cost. Like and a million really, dollars it was to make this and... movie. Even though Insidious came out first, it was this movie that started the whole four, four to five million dollar horror movie trend that's yeah. on right now with like the Bye Bye Man, the Bye Bye Man, and all that shit. The yeah. the one with the the girl that kept dying and she, yeah, she had to figure out who her killer was. She like the Groundhog Day, I, I, yeah, I think Happy, happy Birthday, Death Day. Or Happy Death Day. All those movies spawned really from The Conjuring because yeah. Insidious was like getting their toe in the water and then conjuring when it hit again and exploded everyone's like oh, let's just make something for like three million dollars the nun and all that stuff all the spinoffs well especially because at the time we were steeped in paranormal activity nine paranormal activity seven oh, i like, don't even know what that there was. were so many of them at that point yeah. that like anything that was not first person perspective security footage Oh, I hated that. Or found footage. Like, there were so... How many found footage movies were there? Apollo 18 or whatever that movie was. Well, it... Even effing George Romero did, was it Diary of the Dead? I Something think was like one that, of his dead yeah. movies and was the found footage. I hated that. Like, yeah. the, the Blair Witch Project did it perfect. They should have stopped with that. It's like Avatar with the 3D. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they did it perfect. Everything else was trying to duplicate it and just never... You know what I want out of Avatar... Quick tangent, because this has come up in my hey, mind we're a few tangents. times. This we're is tangent people. The, this, the name of the show isn't actually Tangents, but it pretty much is. Yeah, we're Tangerines. Um, oh, we're, ta like we're Tangent Spoilers. Yeah, Tangent Spoilers. Tangent Spoilers, um, that's a new name. Yeah, so uh, I realized something about the Avatar sequels, and it's that they shouldn't have any characters in them. 
They should just be fake biogra- uh, biology documentaries about these made-up planets. And it's just a nature special with these made-up planets. Because that's what we all want to see. We're not here to see Jake Sully. We don't care about Jake Sully. So we don't care about the the not we care about the Navi in a sense, but we do, we don't. Kate Winslet learned how to hold her breath for eight minutes to film these movies. I'm just saying <laughs> she deserves your attention, Al. I think it would be better if this turned into Leonardo a zoo. Leonardo DiCaprio painted her boobs, and now she learned how to breathe underwater for eight minutes. Well, she's done a few things in between, but yes. No, she's done nothing in between. <laughs> That's it? That's it. That's it. The Oscar, <laughs> not on the table. No, no, no. The no, Oscar, no, no. The, the several Oscar no, ones no, off no, the no, table. No, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're nothing talking in about. between. She's still floating on that plank that he could have fit on. Yeah. That's what's happening. I love that that's the one thing that the internet has gathered around. Like, even the Mythbusters were like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody in the world. They, I guess they should have just made it a door. It was yeah. just a door that she had to lay on very, very carefully. <laughs> I love otherwise... the, Did you ever see the family guy cut away that did with that? No. Where he like goes underwater and he pops back up and goes, hey, you know, I think I can fit on there. And she goes, yeah, you totally can. Oh, we can be together. And he's like, uh, you know, I got this girl back in New York City. I got uh, yeah, I can't believe you let me paint you naked. And he swims away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Such a family guy joke. Because I hate that movie. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, Someday we'll talk about my hatred for Titanic. I haven't seen Titanic. You don't need to. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. I'll I'll give you, not a hint. I'll give you a rundown. It's got outdated special effects surrounded by the worst soap opera you've ever seen in your life. That's Titanic. It was the movie my sister was obsessed with in high school along with Rent. All, okay. I do not want to make any female listeners mad. But in my recollection, the vast majority of females under the age of 25 were enamored with that movie. And I think they're the main reason why it hit almost two, or over $2 billion. You know, you might be onto something. It's my experience most, anyway. There's, at least guys I know saw it and was like, I can never get those three hours back in my life. I mean, that's how I felt afterwards. I'm like, that was the worst. I don't know about that. I know a lot of people that are into like special effects and spectacle really liked it for those elements. But you don't, again, it's another movie at that the nobody. Time. It's, well, at the time, it was spectacular. Now you see it and you're like, okay. Well, I mean, like, now you see Avatar and you're like, eh. See, I don't know. Some of that still holds up. Like, if I, when, they, when they're like flying the helicopter up through the flying mountains. Yeah. That's no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking more about the the not um, the oh, not the people, money the shots. Navi? Like, well, just the the general shots around, yeah. like when things are moving and oh, I thought the, I thought the Navi characters always looked like shit. Yeah. I never thought they looked. Like, no, this is my point. Yeah, like you're gonna come back in 20 years and gravity is gonna look like what? And it, yeah, this blue. is it's the the Lucas paradigm. At some point, it's gonna look like shit. So worrying about it looking great for the rest of the time is pointless. I can still go back and enjoy The Last Starfighter. Even though that was the first movie that used complete computer-generated graphics. And it looks like something I can make on my iPhone 3 if I can find it. Oh, you definitely could. And But I still love every minute of it. It still blows my Same mind. Same with like Tron. Yeah, Tron is still great. Tron's still great. Tron's still. See, this is the thing: is that if it's organic, 
if it's to fit the story. Yes. But someone like Luke is coming in and shoving a bunch of CGI in, or having somebody come in and say this is what the entire movie's about is CGI. Yeah. Is uh, it's a little, it's a dicey proposition that's because dicey. that's not that's, that's not going to hold water for a long time. All right, folks. So you know that's how you end a show. Yeah. And this for for us, we end the show on the tangent. Oh. Tangents. Yes. Remember. But unlike the Titanic, I we brought the show up. Yes. Well, it did not iceberg us down. We did not get iceberged. No, we did not no. get iceberged. No, we did In not. In my opinion, we didn't get us. No, no, no. I, yeah. I think, I think maybe, maybe we hit a few rocky shores, on the way. I still am not gonna be able to sleep tonight knowing that you haven't seen the Lost Boys. But hey, what can I tell you? I know. Wait I till know. next week. Wait till next week. I promise. And next Poltergeist. Week, and you know, don't see the new Poltergeist. Oh no, no, no. It, if if I'm seeing these movies, I'm seeing the original. There's not been any movie. Blade Runner 2049 in its own category yes. is its own thing. Yes. There has not been a remake. A remake. Yes. Of an 80s movie that was better than the 80s movie. Maybe Fright Night? Maybe Fright Night? Eh, I like the Fright Night with I Anton like, Yelchin. It's a, yeah, I do like that one. Because David Tennant. David Tennant's really good in He's it. Awesome and, in it. And Colin Farrell's really good in it. Yeah. And is it, I do enjoy that movie. Is it Taya Leone who plays the mom? I can't remember. It, But like... I think... Maybe. Yeah. I think so. But it, it, it's good. That That is good. That is good. But... But as somebody that also loved the original Fright Night, I can understand why people wouldn't like it. Uh Because the original is such a classic. Yeah. And people forget they even made a Fright Night 2 back in the 80s, which was actually kind of awesome. What the hell was I going to say? I was going to say one thing, and I completely forgot. Oh, old man. Look at your life. Old man River over here, man. All right. So, folks, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please listen back for the next few episodes because we are going to delve deeper into more horror. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. When you see Poltergeist, do not see Poltergeist 3. You do have to see Poltergeist 2 because it oh. is one of the best villains of any horror movie. Oh, really? Cause, Amazing. Because they found an actor to play in a, a demon figure. And it's a, the guy himself was very skeletal looking. Terrifying. Yeah. Truly terrifying. All right. So good. Because I don't usually truck with the sequels on, on a lot of these 80s yeah, movies. Yeah, don't see the third one. Third one has some cool special effects. Don't see the third one. There, there's like, you always hear about it when it's like, oh, you need to see the sequel. So like Back to the Future Part 2 yes. and Terminator 2. Like you hear about these movies and you're like, okay. But like for the most part, whenever I hear about Poltergeist 3, I'm like, oh, that's like a skip. Jaws 2? Pass. Yeah. Just moving on down no, the line. Pass, I'm going to let you but right. anyway, folks, yeah. that was our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it. We we enjoyed giving you all this just well of information, and we will definitely talk to you next week. Um, once again, my name is Steve Taylor. You can find me at staylorbooks.com. I am Alfred Judson. You can find me at judsonstudios.org <laughs> under the Bronx Division tab. And uh, we're going to have a lot of Halloween fun I in the next wait. few weeks. It's going to be a good time. Wait. It's going to be a very good time. You have a good week, sir. You too. Have a good night. Bye, people. Enemies.